verse 16. So I'll go to Matthew chapter 19, verse 16. And the thing I want to underline, and you can get a copy of this lesson here from Sunday School. And uh, Brother Dill worked it up. And uh, our head usher, Brother uh, Jim Stevens, will be glad to give you a copy. And you'll have the complete lesson. The words I want to emphasize, what I wanted to preach on, we'll read the whole passage and then I'll go through it. Uh, Matthew 19, 16, oh, I think down to about 30, somewhere in there. And behold, one came and said unto him, Good master, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? And he said unto him, that be Jesus, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, that is God. But if thou wilt enter into life, keep the commandments. And he said unto him, which Jesus, and he said unto him, which Jesus said in reply, Thou shalt not murder, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not steal, thou, uh, thou shalt not bear false witness, honor thy father and thy mother, and thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. All these have to do with our relationship with others, including our uh, loved ones. Ye young man, say, the young man saith unto him, All these things have I kept from my youth up. What lack I yet? Number of questions here. I believe there's about five questions in this portion of Scripture. Jesus said unto him, If thou wilt be perfect, go and sell the sell that thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasures in heaven, and come and follow me. Kind of a, do what I tell you to do, and then follow me. Some of us get kind of hung up on doing what he wants us to do, and we never do quite follow with the rest of it. True maturity in Christ, and that was part of the Sunday school lesson too, true maturity in Christ is Doing what God wants you to do, following him. Following him. Where he leads, I will follow. And a lot of us will do what we have to do to stay right with him, but when he's asking us to follow him, you're talking about, what are we talking about? Salvation, service, sacrifice. And a lot of times following Christ is a mission on sacrifice. I I brought to the, my mind the portion where he sits with his apostles and he says, they hated me. What do you think they're going to do to you? you know, they hate Trump. What do they think they're going to do to the trumpeters, <laughs> or so to speak? But when a young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, Verily I say unto you that a rich man shall hardly... Enter into the kingdom of heaven, and again I say unto you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. Now, I've had heard great dissertations, and I'm aware of the fact that they used to call the small gates that went into the city of Jerusalem needle eyes. They're just little bitty gates, like the eye of a needle. And if you were approaching the city, you had to go through the main gate for a number of reasons, but that was the big gate where you could actually ride your camels through the gate. But you couldn't come through the needle eye 
on the side gates that went off to the latrines and to the dump and to little various uh, places along the city, maybe shortcuts around town, that sort of thing, alleyways, if you may. And uh, that illustration there that it's so hard for a rich man to get to heaven. I don't think it's any harder for a rich man to get to heaven than a poor man. I think we all have our struggles and we all have our shortcomings and we all have trouble keeping the commandments and following the Lord and following the Lord. What, when his disciples heard it, they were exerting, exceeding the may saying, who then can be saved? But Jesus beheld them and said unto them, you know, what, who can be saved? What man this is with man, this is impossible. With God, God, all things are possible. Well, I think we'll leave there. What I want to bring to your attention in this passage, and I just underlined it in my lesson, is the first question. And behold, one came and said unto him, that would be God. He called him good master, which is probably the least a teacher would be would be would be higher than good master. It's the least you can address a superior is calling a master. That's what slaves address their owners. And when he came to Jesus Christ, he was not ready to exalt him as savior. He wasn't ready to recognize him as a teacher. He just recognized him as a man that was standing on the street side proclaiming what he thought God wanted him to say. Now, that's not my interpretation. It's not ours, but that's what this man was addressing him as, as if he was just a master of some sort, somebody with some authority, but not complete authority. And so there's a little warning sign right there. But he says, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? That's the question. What good thing, and I'm underlining it and putting a square around it, that's where we're at. I like these pencils because they got good erasers on them. What good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? Now, the first thing that draws me to that question, there's something wrong with it because the word I shows up in there one, twice. What good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? You know, if this was going to read properly, what good thing, what good thing should happen for eternal life? What good thing happens for eternal life? I'd like to eliminate the word I, I out of there, and then maybe it'd be a proper question. This man, the answer to his question simply is nothing. You cannot do a thing to inherit eternal life. It's not something you do. It's something that's already been done. If you do anything, you have to come to the fruition or you have to come to the knowledge, you have to come to the understanding that your eternal life has been taken care of, your pathway to eternal life, your ticket to heaven, your escape from the uh, fires of hell has all been taken care of. All you have to do is put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. That's what you have to do to have eternal life, is put your faith. It breaks down real easy. First, you have to accept. 
It's called, I, I like to call it the ABCs of salvation. First thing you have to do is accept Jesus Christ. This man had trouble accepting Jesus Christ. You know why? He wasn't saved yet. He wasn't trying to inquire what he needed to do to be righteous because you get the next statement from Christ is, and he said unto him, that's Jesus, why callest thou me good? There's the question as to what he was, uh, he wasn't respecting God for what he was. So the guy's already missed the boat. He wasn't even trying, he wasn't recognizing Jesus Christ as his entryway to heaven. It was what he could do in his flesh to get there. And so he says, that's a question. Why callest me good? That's Christ's question to him. There is none good but one. You have to recognize me, and that is God. So if you're going to call anybody good, it's going to be me, Jesus said. I was a young man, and the religion I was brought up in, we had to call somebody father and address him as our father. And I asked my dad one time, I says, why, why, is he, why do I call him father? Well, he said to me something very timely. He said, uh, your spiritual father, not your physical father. But I recognized his frailness as I, my spiritual father's frailness. And it put a distrust in me towards God. And the one time in my life I had to, as I matured as an individual and contemplated on the things of the Lord, which we don't like to do much anymore, but I wasn't mesmerized by, it was ping pong games, or what do they call it? The ping pong table. No, uh, paddle balls or whatever it is. I can't even remember. Food. Is it foosball? Put a dime in the machine and the ping pong thing... Pinball, there it is, pinball wizard, that was it. Yeah, me and my best friend, who I'll see in a couple of months, uh, we used to compete for high score. Once in a while, I'd win most of the time he did. But uh, pinball, I wasn't mesmerized enough by that and uh, would think about, some, what, what, who's my spiritual, what, what, everybody's got a different opinion. The guy who wears a tie calls himself a pastor, he's got a different opinion on heaven, and the guy who wears his shirt backwards and got a black robe on, he's got a different way about heaven, and then the guy with big long locks and all this stuff, and a big black beard, and lives in Chicago, and I was born in Forest Park. Uh, he had a different attitude about heaven and how to get there. I says, you know, they all talk about one thing, and that's the book, the B-I-B-L-E, and that's what I put my trust in, not in man. I wasn't looking for a good master. I was looking for the truth. And I didn't know it, but it was right there in God's word. And, the pro and all I had to do is first accept it as truth. Then I had to believe, A, is accept. And I had to accept the story of Jesus Christ dying on the cross for my sins that he had taken care of the penalties for my sin. And he, as I read that book, I seen that blood had to be sacrificed for sin. I was ready to go out and kill one of the chickens. But uh, that's not how it works. He says, I don't see people doing that. There's got to be more to it. I read on in my Bible, and it talked about a man, a God-man, Jesus Christ, who is now my personal Savior because I read in the Scripture where he died and paid the penalty for my sins. His blood was shed for my sins. His goodness was shed for my wickedness. 
He, was, he died that I might live spiritually. And I accepted that. And I believed it. That's the B. And then the C is I confessed it. In Romans 10, 9, if thou shalt confess my name or confess, I'll read it to you. I, should, I, I usually have it memorized, but when I get off my main subject, accept, believe, and confess, if thou shalt confess with thy mouth and believe in thy heart that God has raised him from the dead, that's being Jesus Christ, thou shalt be saved. That's Romans 10, 9. I come to a point where I accepted God's word. I didn't have to have a master or somebody else tell me about it. I had distrust for that. And we have distrust for leadership now in these days. It's rampant. As we examine each other, there's no one that can do anything to get to heaven. And that's what this man was asking. Is there something I can do to get to heaven? And Jesus Christ said, but if thou wilt enter into life, keep the commandments. He knew that this man wasn't saved. He said right there, you're not into life. You have not entered into eternal life. You're going to die one day, and you're destined to die and perish in hell. This man was on a physical plane, and Jesus Christ is always on a spiritual plane. And he said to him, you're not saved. There's nothing you can do to get to heaven. The only way you're going to get to heaven, the only thing you can do is accept, believe, and confess. You can accept the fact that it's already been done for you, that you can't earn your way to heaven. There's no good thing you shall do. It's the fact that you need to believe in your heart and confess with your mouth. He wasn't ready for that. Jesus Christ gave him three opportunities in this portion of Scripture to say something along the realm. And all this fella could do was come back to all these things I could have done since my youth. Back to what he done. Three times he refers to what he did. Jesus Christ is trying to get it to what he did. What he will do in this portion of Scripture, it was looking forward to the Messiah. It was looking forward to the blood atonement. It was looking forward to someone who was going to be exalted as Jesus Christ, as the true Jesus Christ, as the true God in the Hebrews. This man was obviously a Hebrew. And the Messiah was going to be our eternal sacrifice. That's all this gentleman would have had to done is put his faith and trust not in himself, but in God's word. And God gave him his word. I'm going to die on the cross. That's what Jesus was pre preaching. The last, the last year of his ministry, he, he's got several messages where he comes right out and says, I'm, I'm not going to be with you always. And I'm the son of God, and as a son of God, I'm going to be sacrificed for your sins. You're not going to be able to make it to heaven on your own. It's nothing you can do. And until I come to that realization in my life, it was nothing I could do that I had to trust in something that was already done for me and simply believe in somebody who earned that trust to the point he went to Calvary and died for me. Jesus Christ died once and for all, that all should not perish but have eternal life. 
For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. You, if you think you can earn your way to heaven, you're telling God you're better than his son. You're telling God you don't trust what he did. You don't acknowledge his son as anything but a, maybe a good master. I've stood and had talked to people who said, oh, yeah, we believe in Jesus. He was a great prophet. No, that's not what he was. He was a savior of the world. He was a savior for each one of us. He was our only way to heaven. He said in his own words, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by, not by you and your works, but by me. And that's where this poor man fell short. That's where he had a problem. That's where he did not have the right recognition. And he said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, that is God. But if thou wilt enter into life, keep thy commandments. And he said unto him, Which, and he said unto him, Which, and meaning which one, Jesus said, Thou shalt not murder, adultery, steal, bear false witness. Do you think he, uh, this guy never lied? It's sort of like when the former president ran, uh, they said he's a rich man. He had to, he had to have some screw-ups. You don't get rich <laughs> uh, unless you're a saint. And uh, that, so they've been investigating the poor guy ever since. Now, we all fall short. This fellow here wasn't even to the point where he recognized that maybe he did tell a lie. I'm thinking of a time my wife, we were walking along a trail at a Bible camp, and uh, we were walking along a trail, and two ladies come out, and they were lost. They were at, we, were at, we were at a Baptist side of the camp, and there was a Lutheran side of the camp, and these two girls came out, ladies, young ladies. They were married, but they had gone for a walk that morning. They were sisters, and they had gotten literally lost and ended up on the wrong side of the camp, wrong side of the lake, so to speak. Is that where it was? And they asked my wife, we're lost. What can we do to be saved? <laughs> and my wife took advantage of that and told them after she gave them the real salvation, the spiritual answer, she told them, just go down this trail here and bear it to the left instead of to the right. You won't end up in our camp. You'll end up back where you came from. And... Uh, and in the course of talking to them, the one sister said to the other, my wife said, you know, the Bible says there's none righteous, Romans 3.10. There's none righteous, no, not one. And then she told them how the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. And the one sister looked at the other and says, you know, I never thought of myself as a sinner. I'm just like everybody else. This guy happened to be very successful, and some people think, because you're successful, you're already at the pinnacle of not being a sinner. And uh, the one sister looked at her and says, my wife said, Do you, have you ever lied? Have you ever been mistreated your parents? Have you ever dotted on? She gave her a couple. And the one sister proudly said, yes, I've never lied. I've never told stories. And her other sister looked at her and said, oh, no, I grew up with you. I know you've fallen short. And I think, I think the rich young ruler 
if he would have evaluated his conscience in his life, he would have found out he had fallen short. How many times does it take to tell a lie before you're a liar? How much money do you get to have before you're rich? All, where does it stop and where does it start? This man was filled with pride. The middle word in pride is I. And when he was ready to put himself above someone who called themselves God, when we put ourselves and when we swell up like a toad with the pride, what are we doing? We're putting ourselves above God and his word. This man, it was, it, it's all here in scripture. He was just as human as everyone else. He couldn't admit it. And one of the reasons he was, he was so full of pride is he measured himself not to God's word. He measured himself to his fellow man. And that's where we fall short. When we don't measure ourselves to God's word, we start measuring ourselves to our fellow man. And it's a normal thing. But even I was around very spiritual men, very high-thinking men, uh, pastors and priests. And got a brother who's a Jesuit priest. And I, I still knew their faults, their, their problems and their shortcomings. And I measured myself to them. And it wasn't until I started to go to the root, the, the, where they all said they got their facts from, I went to the Word. And then I started measuring myself to God's Word. I wasn't going to try. I tried later to tell my brother about heaven. I says, I found the answer in God's Word. All he could say is his mentor told him. His pope told him. His bishop told him. His pastor told him. Don't believe a word I said tonight. Don't take me at my word. Just open up your Bible to Matthew chapter 19. Take God's word for it. There is nothing you can do to be saved. Not a thing. If you put your faith in Jesus Christ, he will save you. And that's what he's going to do. Let's all stand.